Hello, I'm Brandon Lisi, your host for the Built on Strategy podcast, where we explore different strategies with leaders from all around the world. Today, my guest is Mr. Sam Prudhomme, and Sam is the Vice President of Sales and Marketing, Mission Critical Environments at Seneca Holdings. And Seneca is a holding company, actually, obviously, it's in their name. Companies are focused on the specialty door industry. So today, we're going to kind of take a deep dive and learn about portals, the physical kind. So welcome to the show, Sam. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate uh, you, uh, you having me on. Well, we're going to geek out about doors in a bit, but first... I want to get a little bit about your background and uh, sort of the framework or sort of the big picture on Seneca Holdings and the mission critical part where you're working. Sure. So uh, my background, uh, I'm born and raised in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, went Go Tigers. To Go Tigers. <laughs> Go Tigers. Uh, went to LSU, majored in construction management and, uh, you know, really was in commercial project management, very heavy for the first uh, nine years out of college. Um, and so I got well-versed in, in all manners of construction uh, methodology and different things. And, and then um, during the Great Recession, as we call it, um, public money dried up. And so did the commercial construction industry in Louisiana. And so me and my wife and our, our first little boy, we we moved to the great state of Texas and uh, I jumped into sales in my late 20s. And I've been in sales for the for the last 11 years and uh, started off in the critical facility space, mostly in the telecom industry uh, during the 4G rollout. Now we're rolling out 5G. So I'm so old that we were rolling. I was involved in rolling out 4G power plant changeouts and batteries and for the telecom industry and cell sites all across West Texas. Well, I'm just, I just want to interrupt and say, I'm so old that I remember before there was a G. <laughs> it was just, you know, VPNs and frame relay, frame relay networks and whatnot. They were cell phones, not mobile phones, right? Yes, exactly. Bag phone, baby. I had the, had one of the Bell South bag phones. There you go. That was my first mobile purchase, you know. Nothing like 40 pounds of communication. You know? I love that thing, man. Good <laughs> God, I love that was a game changer for me. You, uh, you could literally talk to someone in Russia, and it'd be the clearest thing you've ever heard in your life. Yeah, I don't think I've ever had a phone that was as clear as the back phone in terms of the audio quality. You know, they're, they're, when you would connect with somebody, it was, it was amazing. amazing. It was absolutely. Yeah, it really amazing. was. Uh, you know, I don't know if it was just the, the, all the battery technology around it. <laughs> You can boost the signal or what? But it, you can you know. see the cell signal. It was so thick, though. That's so, <laughs> it's a bit of a different thing. You you couldn't uh, two people couldn't make a phone call near each other. But if you right. had that line of sight, you were good. Like um, iridium, right? Uh, in the middle correct. of Polynesia, and I could talk to somebody in Russia. <laughs> um, then I jumped into the data center space. Um, still critical facilities, but the data center space, um, and became a solutions architect for. Um, uninterruptible power supplies, large scale uh, electrical infrastructure for the data center space. And then that kind of moved me into um, Seneca Holdings, Mission Critical Environments business unit. Um, in that business unit, we have a data center containment company called Sub-Zero Engineering. And we have an, uh, a modular clean room isolation system comp uh, company called Simplex. We have plants in Fontana, in Salt Lake City and in Dublin, Ireland. And 
that is the mission critical, the MCE division of Seneca, but Seneca also has about 14 other brands and about 12 other plants. And we are a, you know, the, the world's largest leader in specialty doors. Um, you know, where mission critical environments fits in is our specialty doors are well suited for the mission critical space data center containment doors, walking in and out of aisles within a data center, clean room doors, automatic opening doors, self-closing, things like that. And then uh, a larger breadth of products, we have traffic doors for, for commercial restaurant businesses. We have a steel manufacturing plant where we do very large steel custom aviation doors and like for firehouses and for hangars where they're bifolding accordion steel doors, very ornate, very, very custom. We have uh, a number of fast-acting roll-up doors that are both insulated and non-insulated. We have a, a plant down in Brownsville that does custom FRP doors that are um, chemical resistant and corrosion resistant for very high um, uh, corrosion environments in, in, in like equine facilities and different types of um, caustic manufacturing areas. And then we also have a, a pretty interesting quick ship business called HMF Express, where we can do custom hollow metal doors that um, can ship within 24 hours within a 200 mile radius. And we have multiple locations across the country for those as well. And so the variety of doors that we have and the specialty nature of them allows us to operate in a very niche part of a much bigger industry that you, you know, that you discussed, the, the physical portal kind. And so that's kind of a quick overview of who MCE is, what I do, and, and what Seneca is. So let's get into the autonomous access and sort of those mission-critical environments and what's really driving a lot of the innovation in that space, right? Because it's it's not just some of the things I've been reading about your business. It's not just, you know, providing a door. It's providing a lot of data about who's going in and out of that door uh, and increasingly providing different levels of access um, and or alarms or alerts. And then there's also a lot of interesting aspects of how that's going to tie in. And this is a little bit sort of the future cast version of this is instead of a person coming in, a robot comes in, right? Or you know, there's a, a an autonomous device that's coming in to get it, to take it to its point in the supply chain or the manufacturing process or something along those lines. So, and what's driving a lot of the innovation and thinking right now in that space? Well, me and you are driving it. The, uh, the need for uh, uh, us to have data and the need for us to have data all the time everywhere is, is really what's driving it. Um, the fact that we're on the Zoom call right now is driving what's really happening. And so, because me and you want it so much, um, data in and of itself has become a commodity. And so, you know, what we know about commodities is that uh, there's, a, there's a huge demand and the, the supply must increase to meet that demand. But when the supply increases and when the supply and demand kind of go up together and go down together, it's more of a commodity, right? Um, they're less race to the bottom pricing wise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's always a, a race to the bottom. affected by each yeah. other. And so because of that, data center operators, the ones who provide all of the actual physical infrastructure for the companies to give us that data, have to figure out ways to operate less expensively. And usually that means a little bit more automatically and a little bit less um, with with people, unfortunately. Yeah, it's all about reducing headcount, yeah. right? I mean, that, that's... So, 
what every entity outside the U.S. government, you know, the military is focused on, right? Um, yeah, it's it's headcount. Uh, how do I everything? It's like how do we do things without people, but do them the same way? Yeah. Or let our people focus on adding value through thought and, you know, other areas as opposed to where, how can I automate process and eliminate, you know, mistakes and our data error, uh, human error, human judgment, all these kinds of things when it's a re- repeatable process. And I hope it's more about that um, than it is about just doing it with less people. So yeah. um, we'll, we'll kind of have to see where that, where that takes us, but, you know, doors offer, you know, very simple, simply uh, a separation of two things, um, you know, and it's in its easiest form. It's I want to be here and you want to be there and we don't want to be together. So we're going to put a door here. Right. And we're going to provide access or it's to keep something out or to keep something in. Um, in, in our we keep cold air or in and hot air out. Right. Because the separation of hot and cold air allows data centers to operate much more efficiently. On a, uh, on a on a on a on a physics level, and so what we've that was the original idea around what it is that we do: data center containment. Um, and now we're seeing, to your point earlier, uh, uh, doors are providing data. Doors themselves are actually points of data capture. Who's going in? When they're going in? How long are they going in? Why are they going in? Um, all of those things are data points, and they and these companies are using all of those data points to drive um, artificial intelligent technology, AI algorithms to program robots to replace humans within the data center space. And so now our doors have to interact with another autonomous object. Our doors themselves are autonomous, right? You you walk in, they open up, they close. So now that door has to interact with another autonomous non-human thing. And so the data that's being driven back and forth to that is really what's driving some of the innovation on our in our industry. And so then you, you take that, you add that to a cold storage application where Amazon and Whole Foods are trying to deliver you and me food within two hours, but they're also trying to maintain a level of temperature that reduces the need for their their chiller systems to operate at a certain amount of time. So now we have fast, fast acting roll up doors that roll up within a second and right back down after a, a forklift goes through to save money and, and increase speed and efficiency. So we're all over the place with it right now. Yeah. You know, one of the things that was really interesting, I was talking to, so we do a lot of things obviously in the equipment space, right? There's sort of our world that we plan, whether it's heavy equipment, light equipment, robotics equipment, you know, especially, you know, that's kind of the world, you know, the OEM equipment manufacturing place. And it was, it was really some interesting conversations around how man, uh, warehousing and manufacturing plants in particular have been historically designed with the idea of allowing human access and interaction, you know, maintenance guys, right, support, you know, not just build it, but also build it to be able to support and maintain it, right? So you build a door into the inside of the guts of a big giant processing thing, right? So that the people can get in and crawl around and do what they need to do. And it was interesting to think about when the the device is that needs to interact with the thing, whether it's inside your data center, right, or a clean room or inside the bowels of some big machine, doesn't necessarily have arms and legs anymore, right? It's it's a robot. The door, the portal to get in and out doesn't need to be as big. And we were having the same conversation about like jet airplanes, right? Have really, the technology has surpassed the human's ability to withstand the speed 
and the right. G-force, right? So it's like, well, you know what? We just, we'll take the, you know, if we've been building them to put a, a pilot in there because that's the way we thought. And it, the military has realized, like, you know, we can achieve the same thing with a drone, right? And in and some of the future versions of jets where they take the pilots are sitting in Tampa, right? <laughs> Flying it in wherever it is. Right. And I think a lot of the same kind of stuff applies because right? if I don't have a person in there, I don't need a cockpit. Right. I don't need the, the giant window that opens up and shuts and the door to the seat isn't the same. And I think you can extrapolate that in your world as well as more and more innovation is happening in the equipment supply chain around your doors. How you think about doors is going to be very different. Right. And you have to design doors to accommodate those autonomous things coming in and out. Yeah, so think about uh, holographic doors. Oh, think that's cool. You just yeah. artificially opaque. And Tell so, me about holographic doors because that's a cool concept. Well, I didn't hear anything about uh, that. You I want to know more uh, about that. So holographic doors, you think about what a door is. It's separation between two things. And so most of the time, uh, in, all, in, a, in a lot of instances, I'm not going to give a percentage because uh, 75% of all percentages are made up. So, um, you know, <laughs> I'll just say that a lot of instances, doors do nothing other than separate two places. Um, and so if you can provide a non-physical separation, i.e. a holographic image of a door that does not allow someone to see on the other side, it doesn't prevent, it doesn't prevent access. So, but it's not necessarily meant for that. So now you have servers in a restaurant being able to walk in and out constantly, constantly in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out, without having to deal with the door, without having to back into a door, without the wear and tear on a door, without having to push carts through a door. None of those um, um, uh, uh, prohibitions, I guess, are existent if the door's not actually real. And so now you have a holographic door that provides separation of sight, line of sight, and provides some type of privacy, but it doesn't provide any of the inhibitions that an actual physical door would have. And so, so it's essentially, it's the same thing as the zoom background, right? It's a, it's a holographic projection. It's a door. It's a door. It is a door in its truest sense. It's providing separation. And it could be an interesting marketing and branding feature, because I'm sure if you can project a hologram of a door, you could project all kinds of stuff, videos, interactive elements, uh, engaging branded elements on that door or information and instructions and directions and those kinds of things. Information, ads, all of the things. Built on Strategy is sponsored by TCICRM.com. If you're frustrated with the performance of your marketing CRM, call TCICRM's database expert to quickly diagnose the problem, optimize your systems, and boost the productivity of your entire marketing and sales team. Move your business forward at tcicrm.com. One of our other businesses that I forgot to mention that I'll, I'll get yelled at if I don't mention is we have an insulated glass company that does, uh, you know, in refrigerated glass cases for, for grocery stores and things like that. And one of the coolest things that we're seeing is RFID technology within that space and embedded sensors within the frames of the glass doors that allow people to pull things out and they automatically scan and are removed from inventory, right? And so now you have software that's aggregating what's been removed on a given day and we have minimum ordering points and we get things reordered immediately without even having them to be, to go. And then what we're also, we're talking about, did you want, what was that? Well, I was going to say, I I just see a huge, huge uh, 
application there in drug diversion detection, right? Yeah. You know, that's a very specific thing, right? I mean, you're talking about supply specific, chain yes, and you know, yeah. restaurant or ingredients, or whatever it might be, but, you know, it strikes me as being very specifically valuable for hospital, pharmacies, and whatnot that need to manage drug diversion detection um, activities within their, within their ecosystem. So, so that all stems from the data center space. So yes. asset tracking in a data center space is something that's been going on for a very long time. And it was very arduous and manual and time-consuming asset tracking. And so they set up RFID little uh, um, pillars where you would go in and out of the data center and automatically track an asset coming in and coming out. And so those are the things that the data center has been doing to, to become more and more automated that are starting to leak out into the re, into our world now, the the the, the physical world. And so the, another great thing about the RFID technology embedded within any type of retail application is that the, there's no more need for the long lines to check out, right? If you think about automation from a banking standpoint and you think about RFID and you, you pull something out, you scan it as you walk down the aisle, right? You're starting, you're, you're checking out as you go. And so you're you're being tallied up as you go. And when you leave, it's done. And so that's the future of grocery shopping is these little smaller, you know, autonomous drop spots where you go in, get your stuff and leave. And it charges you automatically and, and there's no human interaction, but it's a lot quicker, easier, more efficient and uh, less time consuming. Yeah. It, it seems like a way of rethinking the shopping cart, right? I mean, the actual <laughs> physical shopping cart, because you come in, you get it. It have a credit card processing unit on it. That's one of the things I did. I was like, why wouldn't you just put a damn credit card processor on here? So many people bring their own bags in there. I just load stuff in. Yeah. So, I mean, you have to have the scanning technology and whatnot. But, I, and I know, you know, those devices aren't that expensive anymore. But I, why can't I just scan it as I go down the aisle, put it in my bag, you know, and I, you know, there's a trust issue, right? And there's a process issue. And there's a we've always done it this way issue from a grocery chain. That's the given they've got two or 3% margin, you know, they're trying, yeah. they don't want breakage. I get that. But, you know, from a consumer perspective, you know, we've proven at least a percentage of the people have proven that they're more than willing to pay a premium just to have it brought to them. Right? They don't even want to mess with it. You know, um, now nobody's making money in that space, but that's another story. And so that's a cool, that's an interesting idea, though. I mean, it, yeah, it's basically taking that portal concept and making it a transaction vehicle, right? right. It, it, something has to move through, uh, whether it's an RFID tracking device, right? The portal is just essentially that. The transaction uh, is movement. It. Yeah, it's moving one thing from another, and you've got the gateway, right? It's the, it, it's the. So, what are doors? Uh, yeah, so it's a, it's it's the magic mirror, right? That takes the you into the, the virtual uh, door. It's a transactionary yeah. door yeah. that we provide. And so so these are the things that we're starting to see really manifest themselves come out of the data center, the critical facility IT technology space to start to get embedded in our daily lives. And so, you know, as a specialty door provider, we always have to make sure that we're reinventing what it means what specialty door means. It used to be a door for a niche application via what is or isn't going through something or where is this door located? And now specialty door is that plus so much more. And so- um, I'm then, curious, I have a marketing question. Uh, oh, sorry, great. I keep interrupting you, but- No, no, I like, this is this is great. 
It's the joy of owning the podcast, right? I get to I get to, I get to go barge in whenever I want. Yeah, the joy of being the host. Does it cause you problems a little bit, or limit you by being a specialty door company rather than a specialty portal company, right? From a branding perspective, because people have these perceptions of what doors are because they're so concrete and foundational, right? To our existence as humans, right? But the front door, the back door, close the door, get the refrigerator. You know, the word door is a very ubiquitous part of our lives, especially when you're a parent and you have little kids. Um, but really what you guys are is a, is a specialty portal company, right? Which is just a, a gateway, right? A, a transition point from one place to another point. I'm just curious if that's an interesting, you know, if you find yourself working around the door language at times. Not really. Um, you know, I haven't, haven't, we haven't, uh, I haven't seen any data or, or, or market analysis on how the word door versus the word portal affects what yeah. somebody thinks about our business. So yeah. it could be something that we, we look into. I know portal seems to be like this futuristic, uh, yeah. Um, exactly. Uh, inter- interdimensional um, yeah. transformation, right? And so, I, I the connotation of portal does sound um, like it's going to be more and more applicable based on where it is that the industry and the innovations going. Uh, but for now, mm-hmm. you know, we use specialty door, and then we we use our our platform. Yeah. Well, that's the core business, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, some of the stuff you do, it's doors. I mean, that's what it is. But some of the stuff you're talking about in the future. Right. Right, the holographs, all that, those are portals because they're correct. not doors per se. They're just pretend doors, right? Or they're, you know, it's just as anyway, it's a bit of a tangent, but it just kind of struck me is that the the market for you guys, you know, is bigger that way, right? In terms of what the potential is. Cause I also think about windows, you know, it, it it's still an opening. Right. Um, but there's a, you know, sort of a conceptual difference between a door and a window. That's correct. Uh, windows you look through, doors you walk yeah. through, right. Or you move right. through. Uh, of course you can crawl through windows. I get that. Anyway, I got off on a tangent there, but it was just, <laughs> I like the wordplay sometimes of things. And some of this, you, you got me thinking about the the shopping experience because I, Hate standing in line at the grocery store, you know. And, uh, it, it, it'll be a few more years for sure, but it won't be like out of our lifetime. That's for dang sure. Yeah. Um, and in 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 the the better part of what it is that we currently do is that we really really strive to uh, create an express program for all of our products. You know, um, doors. You know, we like specialty doors because they're less commoditized than, say, a normal wood door in your house would be. And so we kind of lean our way away from commoditization through the niche business and through the specialty piece of it. But we further ourselves from that commodity by uh, differentiating ourselves on experience, uh, customer experience. And so why is your traffic door better than, than this traffic door? And the answer is, well, it could be the hinge. It could be anything. But what if it was just because we're better to deal with, we give we're, we provide a much better level of service and we also get it to you much, much faster. And so if you round out the experience and add that to the specialty piece, we, we tend to further differentiate ourselves and it gives us the bandwidth with our customers to be very innovative and, and, and lead um, the thought on what it is that doors are going to become. 
And so that's kind of where we see our launch pad is just continuing to improve upon the customer experience so that we actually have a seat at the table when these when the holographic door um, concept becomes a little bit more mainstream or when it is when doors become a piece of software. Like, let's think about it. I mean, it's they're going to be less tangible and more software related when doors are looked at as a as a vehicle for um, the facilitation of the future and less about going in and out of a space. You know, the one of the things that really stands out that I think is a great marketing lesson, you know, one of the things I heard is that, you know, whether it's the, you know, the speed to delivery and whatnot, but you're really trying hard not to be an order taker, right? Which gets you rapidly into the realm of being a commodity, right? Well, I'm just now some purchasing dude just pricing you out, right? And comparing you to other people, as opposed to somebody who's trying to proactively come in and add value by finding new applications or at least presenting people with the idea and get them thinking about how they could be thinking about their doors differently. And I think that's a good takeaway for everybody listening, right? Is you might be in a situation where it's really hard to differentiate yourself, but there is, if you can focus on innovation and ideation and try to figure out where your customers need to be, as opposed to where they are, you can create some value and uh increase your margins well, <laughs> commiserately obviously increase the margins if we if we if we focus on the customer the uh the value is maintained outside of the commoditization of whatever it is that you're doing and you're able to maintain some level of uh, proper margins which is the point of the business to begin with but um we really want to be at the table for the future of things and continue to be a specialty door company, even when the doors and the thoughts around doors change. But the uh, it's interesting though, because I came from the commercial construction industry, got into the data center industry, still in the data center industry in my particular business unit within Seneca. And now the data center industry is leaking out into the rest of the uh, of of yeah. the of the of the common world, I guess, and and we're able to to use our expertise in that area and understand where the technology is going to help further the advancement of a non-data center product. And so it's a kind of kind of interesting how things come full circle, which makes Seneca very, very, very valuable to customers who are not really understanding where the world's going based on technology that's emerging. And so it gives us a really good chance to 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 educate them on where it could be going and prepare them for what it is that they need to be looking for, even when it comes to doors. Well, you know, one of the things that I would say about where you guys are in the marketplace, right? And you have this broad portfolio where you can, you know, you, you, you need a door. I've got somebody, right? We've become pretty much vertically integrated in the world of doors and portals through the acquisition strategy that you had. And that, that position in the marketplace really has given you, it seems a, a unique perspective on an ability to innovate rather than just manufacture, right? And I think that that's a key takeaway for a lot of the manufacturing companies, you know, because again, I, I work with a lot of OEMs that make stuff, right? right. And it, and it's really important to be able to take time and talk with your customers and share what the possibilities are to fuel your own ideation and innovation 
and figure out how you can meet the need of the market where it will be in five or 10 years, as opposed to just trying to react to a request, right? Or an RFP, uh, where it's just, or just here, let me price out, sell stuff. And yeah, you got to do that too, right? I got to move doors. Yeah, I, yeah. I get it. That's how we make Sometimes money. It moves faster than you want it to, right? It moves faster yeah. than the ability to communicate. So it's but I think it's, it's a really key takeaway for me uh, uh, to remind myself, but also to remind my customers about how important it is to have that thought leadership place in the market about where the industry, their industry, and where your industry intersects with their industry, where it's going, because the rate of change, right? For you guys, it could be, you know, the, the not just the data center technology, but the cooling technology, the energy technology, the robotics and autonomous vehicle technology. Uh, if you got into, the, you know, the drug diversion stuff, right? That's its own little ecosystem with its own kinds of innovation that are going in. And so, you know, things in, things out, how that gets tracked, how that gets managed, how that gets optimized is just increasing as everything else around it, all the inputs around that are increasing. And, you know, it seems like Seneca has done a good job of putting themselves in a position to be a thought leader around where the future of portals and doors is headed. So thank you yeah, for coming on the show, man. Oh, I appreciate those insights. Yeah. You, conversation. It's fun. You said, uh, you know, you said you, you don't want to just be an order taker. And so we don't, we don't want to take orders. We want to be, we don't want somebody to come to us to buy a door. We want somebody to come to us for advice on what to do. Yeah. The right. wrong solution. Right. It's like, Perfect. and you really want to, it sounds like you want them to come to you with a problem, right? Like I, I love that. You know, right. I, I got that. this problem, and and sometimes I think I, this is what I want, and you're like, oh, you don't need that. You 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 say you want this, but this is what you need. And having those kinds of conversations, you know, whether it's a marketing company helping an OEM or a door manufacturer helping a plant manager or an operations team figure out how to better design a system, or an engineer that's designing a manufacturing plant. You definitely want to be at the front end of the solution as opposed to the back end of the purchase order. Yep. Nope. Nope. I agree. Okay. So the wonderful world of door innovation and uh, hope that provided some uh, insight and got you excited about something that you may not have thought you could get excited about. Hell man, I'm thinking about the next generation of shopping carts. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I'm related. excited about. You yeah, know, related. Absolutely. You know, because uh, I want my shopping experience to be more seamless <laughs> than it is. Uh, so Sam Perdome, he's the Vice President of Sales and Marketing, Mission Critical Environments at Seneca Holdings. Uh, Sam and I are connected on LinkedIn, and you can certainly reach out. If you're one of the many manufacturing companies or OEM makers, of, you know, I'm trying to think about how you could do a better job of tracking how you know things go in and out of parts of your plant, your manufacturing process, encourage you to reach out to Sam. So again, thank you for taking some time out of your day and uh, coming on the show. I appreciate it. Take care. And I guess I should end this whole thing with a go Tigers. Go Tigers. That's it. Always. Until next time, I'm Brandon Lacey, reminding you that a successful life, much like a successful business, is built on strategy. And if you need a better strategy to compete for customers or talent, contact me, Brandon Lacey, at builtonstrategy.com, or you can connect with me on LinkedIn. And finally, Please subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever other podcast platform you prefer. Share it and recommend it to your friends. Take care.